He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's National Review Online's Jim Garrett. How do you like me now? She's a front-page contributor to Red State and a broadcast professional who calls life the way she sees it. Yeah! Crank up the radio! Very interesting! She's Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Green and Fazio Christmas Litigation Department. Have you been put on the naughty list when you didn't deserve it? Did you not get that gift that you were certain you deserved? Did someone give away your heart the very next day after you gave it to them? At Green and Fazio, they're prepared to handle all of your holiday litigation needs. If anything about your holiday wasn't exactly the way you wanted, then remember, somebody somewhere can be forced to reach a settlement in order to avoid a lengthy battle in court. Remember, Christmas is a season for frivolity, and nothing's more frivolous than the lawsuits from Green and Fazio. I am joined by Mickey White. And Mickey... We are now just weeks away from Christmas. Is your life now just like a a de facto Hallmark Christmas movie? Uh, Funny you should mention that. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the We Are Getting Closer to Christmas edition. Um, you know, it, 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 my my life has never been like a Hallmark movie. Um, to be honest, mine my life probably is more like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> I was thinking Independent Film Channel, but yeah. Okay, or maybe Independent Film Channel, yeah. I don't think that I measure up quite to the holiday standards that those are. Um, I, I, I do, I want to get to those in just one second. However, I, I would be remiss and I would be doing our listeners a disservice if I didn't ask you to defend something that was deemed a very questionable remark at the end of the last episode, which, of course, was your brief defense of Last Christmas by Wham. Yes. So we, we had talked about in the closing segment, a very popular segment, the worst Christmas carols and songs that are out there. And it looked like there were uh, three really widely supported contentions. Um, Santa Baby, particularly the Madonna version, but just about any version. Um, Paul McCartney's uh, Wonderful Christmas Time. Everyone loves Paul McCartney. Everyone hates that song. Yep. Uh, and of course, John Lennon's War Is Over, uh, Xmas. Um, and so on that list, like number four on that list was George Michael uh, crooning away last Christmas. You, you know, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. I'd argue it doesn't belong on that list. I'd argue it's not nearly as bad as those three. And the reason I would say that, uh, Mickey, is you think about Last, oh, the entire tone, the entire uh, uh, you know, words. Sing the it, theme. I, I wouldn't do it justice, Mickey. Um, but the point is, that you think what words come to mind? Cheesy, syrupy. It's poppy. Corny, right? It's it, all the Christmas foods you love. Oh. Cheesy, corny, syrupy. Right? There's something that's so over the top and ridiculous about it. It enters that uh, showgirls so bad it's actually kind of entertaining. See, category. I would go one step further and say I actually like that song. Oh, so wait, I and I, but again, you know, full disclosure, I was a George Michael fan. So him singing a Christmas song does not like necessarily mean bad things to me. Jim, I'm with you. I'm going to take it one lap further. I'm going to say it was so bad that it was good, and then it was so bad good that it got bad again. So that's, that's all right. <laughs> they overplayed it. <laughs> 
it's it's like Inception. <laughs> now on the fourth level of being so good at being bad because it's overplayed because it's so good at being bad at trying to be good that it's now completely looped around itself. I, I, really I, like, I think that, the, you know, obviously everyone clearly has a lot of variants and their Christmas choices outside of the top three. I think we can all agree that those are there. And, of course, you know, the, the, the worst, of course, is do they know it's Christmas. Oh. Um, but having said that, I think that this one is going to split down the middle between people who like Wham and people who like George Michael and people who don't as well. Oh. Like there are people who can tolerate him kind of middle of the road. And then there are people who like this is just pop crap. Maybe you have to be a particular age, but I will observe, Mickey, that George Michael's name is now almost like a de facto punchline by itself. And obviously, he's had his run-ins with the law, and he's had his own troubles, and, and all that stuff. I'm going to make an observation. Says hasn't got caught in a bathroom <laughs> in a public well, park at midnight. One observation uh, meant to bridge the divide in a in a deeply divided country, Mickey. Okay. So, if you happen to have uh, either hit puberty or been in your teen years in that kind of classic late '80s, early '90s era. Uh, George Michael did a lot for you, okay? <laughs> There's perhaps no gay man who did more for straight men by putting just about all of Victoria's Secret um, models in his videos, usually wearing almost nothing. So uh, there's a part of it that feels like that George Michael is an underappreciated servant to uh, to people who, who even had a different, uh, different, different preference than he did. You get so, the feeling he had good ideas point. given to him by his production crew. That's the way I see it. Well, either way, he clearly, you know, somebody had to say to him, hey, I think the video would be great if we had a lot of Victoria's Secret models in it, wearing almost nothing. <laughs> and, well, and, you know, I was like, how is that a bad video? And I loved it. And, it? yeah, that was for Freedom. And it was I, – I thought it was fantastic. But, of course, you know, again, I'm in that demographic, so I, I'm comfortable with that. Um, one of the other things that kind of always comes up around the holidays, um, especially for, quote, my demographic – are what you referred to earlier as the Hallmark movie channels, Christmas movies. <laughs> and in truth, there really is nothing that quite captures the fantastical imagination as a Hallmark movie and throw in all the bells and whistles of Christmas. And they literally have enough movies to keep them going from like Halloween until well after New Year's. It would be an exaggeration to say that Hallmark makes the same movie over and over again, but uh, Mickey, our good friend and friend of the program, Mary Catherine Ham, earlier this month over at The Federalist, went down and created the uh, Hallmark Christmas movie bingo that we've always wanted to have, and last night, I didn't find myself watching one because Mrs. Campaign Spot loves these movies, where I know we definitely hit at least the cliches of uh, the Wacky Townie, mm -hmm. um, the prince who's involved with a uh, project to help the town, um, which quote, could almost qualify as a struggling nonprofit. There was definitely yeah. a magic item. In this case, it was the magic stocking that kept generating everything they needed. Um, and a little bit of the tragic backstory. Uh, one of the story, one of the characters was a widow, uh, so of course. So, you know. Uh, oh, and oh, oh, definitely the child who is way, way, way too involved in her in her mother's uh, uh, romantic life. Um, so it, I don't know if they line up to create bingo, but it seemed close enough to me uh, to qualify. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, you hit on some of the key tropes that are important to any good Hallmark Christmas movie. Um, but I was really impressed. I actually read Mary Catherine Ham's 
post as well. And I have to tell you, at the Federalist, it was um, kind of spot on. She, she's very good at getting to the point, and she clearly has watched as many of these as I have. Um, because the number one thing on her list is a star of a bygone era. And I couldn't help but recognize that because almost every single episode um, that I watched over the last couple of weeks was actually Cam, what's her name? Um, Cameron Kirk. Or what's what? Why, why can I not think of her name right now? Cameron Burr, Candace Cameron. right? Candace Cameron Burr. Candace Cameron Bure. Oh. Bure, the hockey player, Pavel Bure. Right, Bure, my bad. And sorry, listeners, for watching that. <laughs> but she seems to be in every single one of them. Um, another thing that's listed on here, which you kind of nailed, was you were you watched, I'm guessing you watched The Magic Stocking. And this one refers to mistletoe. And um, one of the big things is that the mistletoe could be possibly magic. Now, it could be any, you know, there's really any inanimate object that could be worked into this trope that could then turn out to be magical. Mistletoe, uh, a drink, a stocking, a particular box. Um, So, you know, those kind of things are absolutely essential to any good Hallmark movie. I would love to see at least one self-aware candidate in a, uh, one self-aware figure in one of these movies. Where the moment you show up with the kindly old man whose name is Nicholas, for somebody to say, yep, that's Santa Claus. He's totally Santa Claus. It's not just a, you know, I'm not going to be fuddled wonder if he was Santa Claus all along. It's totally Santa Claus. This entire town is hyper over Christmas. We're obsessed over the town contest or the town saving the town's orphanage from the mean corporate uh, shopping mall magnate who wants to take it over and... We need to hold a big fundraising concert and, you know, all, all these kind of things. At least I need some candidate in there to make fun of it. Um, the street Santa Claus really is good. always the actual Santa Claus disguised as Santa Claus. The Santa outside the bank is actually Santa. Always. Yes. It, it would always. be a remarkable twist if it turned out to be. No, actually, my name is actually just Nick, Nick Johnson. It's not Chris Kringle. And um, I really am just ordinary Santa Claus. Uh, you know, not not the actual Santa Claus. That's right, and also I'm Jewish in real life. Happy Hanukkah. There you go. <laughs> where where are the Hallmark good Hanukkah movies? You figure at least at some point there would be potential there for one. You know, eight nights I, of you romance. You know, I'd be willing to wager that there probably is one mixed in. Um, however, like I said, they're 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 very like certainly if there's a war on Christmas, the battle's being fought on the Hallmark movie channel. <laughs> On behalf of Christmas. Um, and I say this because it is nonstop. And and the truth about these movies, um, even as I mentioned the Lifetime movies, but specifically these Hallmark movies, um, around the Christmas time, they do all have these tropes, but they all have a happy ending. Sometimes it might be bittersweet because, you know, of course, they're all widows. Um <laughs> And they've all lost, you know, it's either a child who's lost a parent or a wife who's lost a spouse. But we prefer the ones where they're adults that can, you know, hook up because they're also mixed in there. It's a romantic, bittersweet, tugging at your heartstring, nostalgic. I never thought I'd find love again. (laughs) Exactly. Like every single time. It's every time. Um, Think about all the spouses spouses that have been murdered by Hallmark movie screenwriters over the years. Because you know, having them divorced, no, 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 that can't do. You know, we can't have that. Oh, that um, occasionally, yeah, occasionally you get the the romantic comedy trope of the the wrong guy. You know, the guy who's inevitably doesn't have enough Christmas spirit. Um, I noticed that, judging by this, you would think white collar people are just relentlessly, remorselessly evil. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only, you know, party blue, blue collar uh, carpenters who are volunteering at the soup kitchen types um, who, are, who are that. Um, inevitably, it's kind of this, you know, oh, the working class is heroic and noble and fine. And anybody who works for any corporation whatsoever uh, is evil has no Christmas spirit, is always trying to shut down these good things right on Christmas Eve. Uh, The deadline for everything is always Christmas. I want to know who these companies are that are making these decisions on December 24th. That was a good point. Yeah. Time has no meaning. There's no other time of year that can be handled in any of these, uh, uh, in any of these things. So um, I myself am uh, a preference for, for movies of a different type. Uh, if you probably may have noticed, there's this this movie coming out this weekend that uh, maybe may have seen an ad or two, or a billion. Mickey and I will talk about Rogue One and the Disney's uh, takeover of all pop culture right after this. You can feel uneasy about your bathroom. The best fresh ingredients are what make Betty Crocker potato dishes taste so good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Wallace. Get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get Golden Fluffle. A Christmas gift from Radio Shack. Before Christmas, they claimed they were bored. But then I found Radio Shack's incredible selection of electronic games. He's rescuing the fair maiden with the Kingman game. She's exploring dangerous new worlds with Zackman. And with the alien chase game, he can do space battle with an opponent or by himself. <clears throat> there are more gifts if anyone's bored. I won! Fascinating electronic games from $7.95 to $59.95, only at Radio Shack. Come with me to a place you'll be glad that you did. Get free! It's so much more a wonderful with Toys R Us Kids. Guess what we want, Jeffrey? You want Cabbage Patch Kids, and everything Cabbage Patch is at Toys R Us. We've got the most Cabbage Patch Kids. Cabbage Patch Kids World Travelers. Collect them all. The Show Pony and Kid. The whole world of Coleco's Cabbage Patch Kids at out of this world prices. It's the world's biggest toy, so let's go! Clap on! Clap off! Clap on! Clap off! Stop clapper. Let you turn things on or off from anywhere in the room. Just plug in the clapper and a television, lamp, stereo, almost anything you want to clap on and off. Clap on! Clapper is available at Meyer, Perry, Hills, and Osco. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White, along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And as we alluded to before the break, there is this little movie coming out, um, just a little independent thing opening in a few theaters. You might have heard of it. It's called Rogue One. And, uh, of course, I'm joking. This is the latest installment for Star Wars and... If you have missed that, it is opening uh, in the next 24 hours, and over this weekend, you have been living under a rock. I don't even like these kind of movies, and I feel like I've already seen it because there's been so many trailers. Am I wrong about this? No, that, that is a fair complaint, Mickey. And as the, uh, as the Star Wars fan half of this program, or third, depending on how Dave comes down, um, I, I kind of feel like... It's a Star Wars movie. It shouldn't need to need a bazillion dollars in marketing, right? You know, if you if they had had no advertising whatsoever, Star Wars fans like myself would know we're going to see it. The boys are going to want every possible toy and action figure and starship and all that kind of stuff. And it, you know, it's presumably this is literally the kind of product that should sell itself. Now I realize Nissan wants to have the Nissan Rogue One 
promotional campaign and, and there's all kinds of, you know, I'm sure Verizon's droid. I mean, you know, every every other like corporate marketer wants to jump in and kind of, you know, uh, get a piece of the action here. But it's funny, about a year ago, Mickey, but before uh, 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 The Force Awakens came out, there was this giant palpable tension in the eyes of Star Wars fans. Because we knew that if The Force Awakens stunk, and I could have used other words, uh, if, it was, if it was on par with the prequels, and that was the death of Star Wars, um, it would mean that it had really two good movies and one okay one, and it, you know, the, 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 the franchise might keep on going, but it was never going to really make a good movie. Now, the, the, the stakes with this one are completely different. This, you know, you're aware, Mickey, that Disney plans on coming out with a new Star Wars movie every year for eternity, right? I'm okay with that, because apparently you guys like it. Um, but being that you are the Star Wars representation of our dynamic duo, I am the marketing and advertising representation of our duo. And I would only say to you, sir, tell that to Coke. They advertise every single day because every single day they want to make sure that they are a top of mind awareness for their customers, even though they've been the number one soda for a zillion years. And Star Wars is one that you've got, you know, a lot of diminishing returns. You're going to have your customers getting older, so you have to be building new customers. And all of the new movies come with new action figures, and they come with new cars now, and they come with Happy Meals, and they come with everything. Star Wars was the original movie that sold merchandise. That is why Star Wars became a franchise because they started out right and they were ready with the merchandise back in the 70s when the first movie hit the theaters and they made a bloody mint on school lunch boxes and I, dolls. I can totally picture Jim with a Star Wars lunchbox. Oh, yeah. Totally <laughs> oh, no. Definitely and, had it. You're- and, you know, now they're collector's items because the original fans of Star Wars are now collector's. Um, and have money, so they, you know, they're going around collecting the original pieces they didn't have, and there's a huge market for that as well. So it, it does make sense for everyone to get involved. However, what ends up happening in this day and age, with so much marketing ties to the opening of this movie, not only are we seeing trailers for the movie and trailers for the movie, we're seeing trailers for the movie in ads for cars, for cereal, yep. for shoes, for anything that can, they can possibly tie to this particular movie. I myself am really excited about the first trailer that we're going to see for Star Wars Episode Nine, And my understanding is that it will debut during the trailer for Star Wars Episode Eight, uh, which should be coming out pretty soon. Um, no, it's a I, I, I do believe that there is such a thing as bad, not just bad marketing, but over marketing. Um, we're thinking something, you know, the same way the song can get overplayed. People get tired of constantly being reminded of it. Um, I, I remember the, the Godzilla movie endlessly hyping how big Godzilla was, but refusing to show you what Godzilla looked like. This is the astonishingly crappy late nineties one with Matthew Broderick. And, um, just the idea my fear is that one of these, you know, at some point there's going to be a not so good star Wars movie. And I, 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 as much as you know, this, this is Disney saying we can do that. We not only can we do a good Star Wars movie, we can make a good Star Wars movie on an assembly line. We can give you what you love every 365 days. There were three original Star Wars movies. They were released a handful of years apart. They created demand because people wanted to know what happened next. If they know that another Star Wars movie is coming out, I think it takes away from. The magic that is Star Wars. That could be just me, but that's how I would see it. I mean, it's no, I, I basically you're... turning it into an HBO special. How excited do you get about the fact... Oh, there's a new Fast and Furious coming out. 
Yeah. I do believe they come out like what once every three months. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Apparently, they do quite well. In this movie, Dwayne Johnson and uh, Vin Diesel glare at each other a lot and flex. <laughs> yeah. We can see that. That's not fine. And there's car chases. Uh, that's the other thing which makes this way. To, give, to use the Vox headline, Fast and the Furious 8 is really the first film in the series to focus on the fact that they are indeed both fast and furious. <laughs> uh, because Vox had us <laughs> that Star Wars, Star Wars Rogue One is the first movie in the series to really focus that it's on war. I saw that and I'm like, well, obviously, you know, Wars was cleverly hidden there in the title. Um, but addition to that, uh, I, I, as someone who's not, you know, a huge mega fan of Star Wars, I have at least seen the first three movies and I know that there was war involved because the first person I imagine in my head when I think of this movie is Darth Vader. And then I think of his storm troopers. There you go. go. (laughs) Not subtle, right? The illusions there and all uh, all of the shooting and explosions also might've been a clue there. Um, now the the, the I'd say the other kind of intriguing gamble that we are seeing from Disney and the producers of Star Wars in this one is that allegedly this one, um, I've heard some people arguing about whether this is very much meant to be a ground troop level view of of the grand you know galactic combat going on. Uh, I've also heard some people describing this as a heist movie that basically this is Ocean's Eleven in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, both of a trio, the idea that like so far, episodes one through seven have been this you know giant epic journey of the Skywalker family and and you know uh, uh, temptation and redemption and all this kind of stuff. But is there a and giant they, Death Star that they haven't quite finished yet? And when they finish, it'll be ready to level a planet destroying ray at the Rebel planet. So they have to destroy the Death Star before it's finished. Is that happening in this movie? Because that happened like 30 years ago in the first movie. It would be really exciting to see a non super weapon based plot line. Rom com in space. Well, this, okay, see, this, is, this is what Rogue One is kind of opening the door to. And on the one hand, as they, you know, you and I have talked about when creative uh, minds try to go out, try to go out of their lane, try to do something new and different, like J.K. Rowling. On the one hand, I kind of want to say to the Star Wars creative crew, you go ahead and you try that, right? That there should be room for a heist movie. There should be room for a uh, different types of stories in the world of Star Wars. There are a lot of people who complained about. Um, uh, Force Awakens and said that it was derivative, and I'm part of like, well, every Star Wars movie's got to have at least one big space battle. Every Star Wars movie's got to have at least one bar or place full of strange aliens. That's kind of you know what makes it Star Wars. Every Star Wars movie's got to have at least one lightsaber battle. You know, maybe this one won't have it. There are certain things we've come to expect. So when you say, oh, it's derivative of the past ones. Nah, it's what makes it what it is. You know, if you had, you know, the the adventures of the space accountants, it just really wouldn't be a Star Wars movie. It would be the Vox's, Vox's the star piece. In space. Yes. In space. I remember the uh, trailer yeah. to The Force Awakens where the, the voice of the bad guy says, there has been an awakening. Have you felt it? And I thought to myself after I saw the movie, not so much. I kind of dozed off. <laughs> there better be an awakening or I'm going to be in the theater at 4 a.m. and they're going to be rousting me. <laughs> now, I know that I know that you're planning on seeing it both at a premiere and probably with the boys. So you'll have seen it twice by the next time we air. Is that correct? We have. Uh, in fact, by the time people listening to it, I've seen it once 
Um, I, I had talked about this in, in some of our uh, previous episodes. Like, man, the, the, when I went to the, the screening for uh, Force Awakens a year ago, that, the audience, you know, everyone's kind of excited, but like there, there was this palpable nervousness uh, in the fans. You could kind of see that, man, if this stinks, it's all over. It's you know, And with this one, it'll be interesting to see. what the, I have not attended it yet. As of this recording, it's tonight. Um, and I'd be curious about what the mood is, but it's kind of more relaxed. And this is okay. Because even if it stinks... Episode eight is coming up, and the lesson will be: okay, you can't do Ocean's Eleven in space. You you can't, you know that that the experimental ideas. By the way, apparently down the pike we've got um, uh, the young Han Solo. There's talks about a young Boba Fett movie. Um, Mickey, have you encountered? The, well, is that is the purpose like... behind? I, I, real quick question: Is that the purpose behind it being Rogue One, a Star Wars movie? Or yes, a Star Wars tale or something like that. Exactly, it is an attempt to kind of differentiate this from uh, the other um, uh, the the other series, and, and the other it does, they're not helping themselves by putting one in the title because now people are thinking, wait, is this back to Episode One, Chapter One, Verse Two? You know, um, now here's the, the other question: is, Yeah, are you familiar with the uh, the television show Atlanta, Mickey? Yes. Okay. Um, you're familiar with the actor Donald Glover? I am. Okay. He will be playing young Lando Calrissian in the young Han Solo movie. It's kind of perfect. Yeah, there's a part of me that, you know, when I when they announced that, they have, I think they also they announced the, the young Han Solo actor will be a much lesser known actor, but I, I heard that and I, I kind of sat up like, okay, I like that. There, you know, if you've seen him in his other work, he was also in The Martian. Um, I would say he's a kind of, you know, Funny, laid-back, but cerebral actor, um, and so there could, you, you, you can easily see him uh, either running off to Cloud City and/or selling Coat Forty Five. So, in the in the TV. movie that has the young characters in it, are they going to have a, a slightly smaller, more rudimentary giant space weapon that's almost finished, and <laughs> they have to destroy it before they get the planet destroying? So the shot doesn't destroy the whole planet. What Dave is saying is he'd like to see the damn ship finished. <laughs> something a little different well it's about that awakening thing they need to wake me up in the theater <laughs> nonetheless uh i'm sure rogue one will probably be a phenomenal it'll be a, a phenomenal fiscal success if not a phenomenal uh success in terms of uh critics we'll see how things shake out with that but inevitably we're gonna have to end up buying a lot of star wars toys <laughs> and i'll be going to amazon for that and we'll be discussing how amazon has changed the holidays right after this This is my, my Max Headroom, and there's more. <gasps> and afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger, namely, my, my Max Headroom. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. Friday, a holiday tradition for 21 years. I've children. It. It's time once again for America's favorite Charlie Brown adventure. It's an Emmy award-winning special. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas. Then he's back, the original cool guy. And this time he's going to melt your heart. So chill out with Frosty the Snowman. Share the holiday spirit Friday on CBS. Hi there, it's me. Now go fabric softener. Oh, feels so soft. Smell, mmm, cuddle fresh when you use me. Snuggle fabric softener. Snuggly softness that's really less expensive. Ho, ho, ho! 
<laughs> I've got a present for you. See, a snuggle ornament for the tree. It's free when you buy Snuggle Fabric Softener. Look for your free ornament at the Snuggle Display in your store. Have a happy holiday. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. And as the song goes, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, especially around my house. Um, and here in my world, Jim, that means that I've got little boxes with smiley faces looking back at me. Santa Amazon has been here. And Santa Amazon really does bring joy. You know, um, Santa Amazon even wraps for just a small additional fee. <laughs> Mickey, by any chance is our show brought to you brought to you by Amazon this year or not yet? Or just but like the holidays soon. are brought to you by Amazon. Hopefully soon. Uh, all of my Christmas gifts are brought to you by Amazon. Um, but having said that, you know it's kind of amazing because I am in the one day system where is if I order something before ten a.m. on a certain day, um, it will then be delivered that afternoon. This wow! Is to the mall like every day of the week and a thousand times on the week before Christmas. Um, so it's fantastic. And then yesterday, they did something that is absolutely incredible. And honestly, we made fun of them, I think, on the show a few episodes ago um, when they first announced they were going to do it. They dropped off packages by drone. Their very first packages were delivered by drone yesterday. In England. And Okay. Now, Mickey, when you described this to me earlier, you said that Amazon had droned somebody. Okay. And I got very excited <laughs> that Amazon was now taking over that portion of the war on terror. It's probably going to be cheaper, more efficient, probably you know, probably quicker delivery uh, than having the government handle it themselves. And look, I mean, you know, if any, I trust Jeff Bezos with Predator drones. I think those Hellfires are going to arrive quicker. Um, and also, probably they can be gift wrapped if the uh, if the recipient requires it. So you know, and accuracy too, right on the doorstep. <laughs> uh, now the returns policy is a little complicated. <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing to me how far we've come with Christmas. And of course, I, I you know I kind of joked about it being easier than going to the mall, but it's not. It, it actually is. It's not a joke. It's absolutely easier for me at this point because of their new delivery system to go online, order something, and have it shipped to me. Then getting in my car, dealing with traffic, going to the mall, trying to find it, get back in my car, go to another store. You know how this works. And for me, it's phenomenal because I've, you know, me and, as I said, Santa Amazon have been friends for many years. And so I've been taking advantage of his services for quite a while. They've just gotten better. And what's nice is it's also kind of caused other, you know, as competition does, it's caused other websites kind of step up their delivery system, some of the offerings they're making, you know, a lot of free shipping going around because one of the beautiful things, of course, is Prime. Um, and it just made me think so much has changed um, when you think about Christmas without Amazon or without online shopping. I mean, really, it's something that's only happened in the last, you know, decade and a half that online shopping has taken off, let alone become the primary source for a great deal of our shopping. Yeah, I will note that um, uh, my tastes in terms of reading, you know, every once in a while I'll hear about something that has been out of print for a really long time. And if I, you know, as much as I love Barnes and Noble, love walking through their, um, their, their walking through their aisles, God bless them because they're in charge of selling my books and any future books that I have um, but on Amazon. You know, I, I, the other day I found out that uh, one of my colleagues at uh, National Review, James Lilacs, wrote several humor books in the early 90s. So I've got some really good routines about answering machines. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's the freshest, but kind of out of curiosity, what were they writing back then? And so, you know, you go onto Amazon and these things are like 99 cents, right? I mean, you're paying almost, you know, you're paying four times as much in shipping uh, from right. these used bookstores across the country. And so like, almost literally between Amazon and eBay, if it exists, you can get it. The other day I saw the Maltese Falcon, um, really right there. You know, this is the stuff that the dreams are made of. Uh, available for sale and delivery uh, for free if you have Amazon Prime. So well, and that's that's the thing is you can get anything, and it, you're no longer limited to things that you know are only found locally. This benefits people. You know, obviously, I have access to a mall. I have access to shopping centers. Um, I have access to a lot of different you know niche uh, boutiques here in Richmond. Uh, we certainly have a very significant shopping districts throughout the city, uh, but. I have the option to get whatever I want now and I can get it in 24 hours or less. This is, you know, again, I think back to my childhood and I think of my parents and how they used to like, there was a certain night of the year where they would go shopping and this was Mm. when they did, you know, the major Christmas shopping for the year kind of thing. Like they were going to go out, they were going to tackle it. My mom would, you know, start buying Christmas stuff in July. And, you know, buy pieces here and there. And then she would go do the real Christmas shopping. And people wonder where I get my Christmas, like, hobbies from. And I, I was going to say habit, which probably isn't good. Um, but she would, you know, start buying things early and then at the end do a big push as well. And it ultimately led to a, a bounty of presents underneath the tree. But I remember, like, shortly after the night where they all went out shopping, there was a night where we weren't allowed to go downstairs in the basement. Because, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but our presents were being wrapped. And I was going to say, if you you watch old... So much to it, like, you know, you had to go so much planning into it, so much into the wrapping and the care of taking care of it and keeping it out of sight and whatever. And and now you could just save it and not order it till like two days before. I, I was about to say, if you watch old Christmas... Uh, episodes of TV shows or sitcoms. Ah, oh, God, the malls are such a mess. It's so crowded. You know, like that was kind of the cliche that the, you, you had to go to the malls and you had to, you know, fight the crowds and see what was available for sale and all that kind of stuff. I, you'd think this competition would make shopping better, uh, Mickey, and I am not convinced of that. At least twice in uh, recent shopping excursions, uh, I've encountered the ludicrously overeager, pushy sales staff. That even when you say just browsing, they feel the need to keep showing you stuff? Well, um, I'll tell you, Amazon, once again, has your answer for this. They just launched Amazon Go, which, of course, allows you to go in and shop in basically an Amazon-style store, warehouse-type thing that is manned by no one. But you I have was going to say, trick- Mickey, I need Amazon Go away. Um, I need... <laughs> You guys have there are no people get- working there. There are no cashiers. You walk in, you're on system, you have a chip, you pick up what you want, and you walk out. And Perfect. apparently it would appeal to people like you who don't right. want to see other people when getting your goods what, and services. What I do not understand, and kind of the recurring theme of the Jim and Mickey show about the collapse of service in America, that somehow we get that. Somehow I get the guy who must be working on commission or is just absolutely determined to show me stuff, no matter how... Uh, increasingly terse my responses get um and you guys have heard me deal with people who call while we're taping the program to see that you know the uh, my entire nice guy pose is completely a, a false front uh, i could be as curt and uh and surly as the next guy 
the the other version is how many times I, I will oftentimes will tape our program or I'll get something done, go to a place for lunch, oftentimes on a weekday, like after the main lunch crowd. Like lunch runs from like 12 to like let's say 1.30 or so. Mm-hmm. You can go to a lot of restaurants at 1.30 and walk out with anything in the front uh, because there's nobody there at the hostess stand, <laughs> nobody there behind the bar. All of a sudden, it's like restaurants are depopulated starting at 1.30. And I, I point to this and I say, this is what's holding back the American economy, Mickey and Dave, that there really needs to be people working in these places between uh, 1 and 5. Because, yes, technically they're open and there's somebody in the back room, but man, oh, man. I mean, am I the only person who has this? Am I literally the only person in America who ever wants lunch after 1.30 in the afternoon? Maybe they're afraid of Grumpy Jim showing up, so they're just not showing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they called earlier, and I was uh, brusque to them. I got a call the other day while we were recording the show, and I really gave her hell. Mom hasn't talked to me since, so I don't think I have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> well, the other is that, you know the the other lesson is like the the, the home landline versus the cell phone line. Like if, you, if people who need to reach me call me on the cell. Yep. The home landline. Hello, you have been selected for you know. <laughs> you know, especially at Christmas, <laughs> that's when they all call. Yeah, I have a landline, and the only reason I am reminded of this is my television tells me the once every two weeks when it rings because <laughs> I don't even have an actual phone plugged in. <laughs> Modern, <laughs> and it's run through my cable provider. It pops up on my TV anyway. <laughs> I have no way to answer it, even if I wanted to. There you go. Question: Has it ever been somebody you wanted to or felt the need to um, call? No. No. Because they all have the phone number. They all call on the cell. Now I think I've had the same cell phone number for a decade or two. You know, probably approaching two decades on the same cell phone number. So I, I realized this the other day. I had a client call me. Um, that I hadn't worked for that company in over five years. <laughs> so I got the impression that, you know, maybe they still miss me a little bit. I, you know, and here's the thing. Every time I'm trying to think like there, there are at least a couple of times where I, I've gotten somebody, they're asking me for information. I respond to some sort of question. They, they like end up putting me on hold. I'm like, wait a minute, you called me. Oh no! The you worst know. are the ones. No, the worst are the ones where people call, and it's not even people. It's a computer on the other end, and it says you have a very important call from a yeah. private company, and it's like, no, you called me. It's very important. Yeah. I would expect that when I said hello, you would tell me who the hell you are, and you'd be a real person. This okay. is just yeah. some, you know, crap call. And, um, and so, uh, you know, certainly these are the things that go on every day, but around the holidays, they make you crazy. So perhaps you would prefer to be inside, you know, one of the Amazon stores where there are no people, or you can go on Amazon where you never have to talk to people and possibly they could drone you just don't be standing outside when they deliver your packages. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to uh, go through the 10 rules of being a grown up. The holiday edition, and uh, I think some of these you're going to like, and I think some of these you're probably going to disagree with. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity, and you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back. Indiana Jones and other action figures, new from Raiders of the Lost Ark Collection, each sold separately. Polaroids, SX-70 sonar, and Time Zero super colors, a perfect Christmas combination. Like egg and nog. The finest instant camera and the fastest developing color. Huh? This gets much closer than any other instant. If you right through the lens, the focus is automatic. And this sharp, bright color comes up in seconds. No other camera does that. That is close. What other cameras do that? Name one. Well, I'm thinking. You only got till Christmas. 
smile, it's Christmas time. Well, here's something for you to smile about. You can save up to $10 on Kodak Instant Cameras and Film. Save $5 when you buy any Kodak Instant Camera and $5 when you buy five packs of Kodak Instant Print Film. Come on, no smile. And no matter how much you spend, no other Instant Camera gives you this. Bright, brilliant color by Kodak. So smile all the way to your photo dealer. Ask them about this limited time offer from Kodak. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. The Skill Twist, the practical gift for practically anybody. Hallmark has a card for everyone on your Christmas list. John A. Smith Church. John B. Smith Church. John D. Smith. What about John C. Smith? Naughty. Whether they deserve one or not. Hallmark has a way. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. Um, one of my favorite websites to go to, guys, is a website called The Kitchen. And it's spelled like kitchen without the E. And they have all kinds of different things, you know, for food and decorating and just kind of a lifestyle magazine, even though it's focused around get-togethers and things of that nature, obviously the kitchen being the key part of that um, and where people gather. And it's a great look into um, kind of where we are, I think, both as a people and, of course, going into the holidays. Um, And the list is called 10 Rules of Being a Grown-Up, and they deemed it the Holiday Edition. And, uh, you know, I I, I love listicles in general, Jim, I'm not going to lie. But this one in particular... Caught my attention because it's how to be an adult this holiday season. Mm-hmm. That is the that is the open line of it. I was going to say try it for the holiday season, and if it turns out well, maybe you can try it all year long. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and you know, I I think it's it's really interesting because they talk about um, the fact that you know this is the way to avoid being you know the adult. Uh, the bad adult, so to speak. If we've all seen Bad Santa or Bad Moms, this would be the bad adult version of it. Those who have, quote, finished off the vodka and Santa's cookies. Look, I wouldn't be the one to tell you. I have finished off more vodka and Santa's cookies over the Christmas holidays than I care to mention, and I stand by those decisions. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with their take on this, but Having said that, their very first thing, and we've talked about this, if you're going to be a grown-up at the holidays or any time, you want to put on a good face even when things stink. And their, their wise sage advice is grown-ups often act as though things are okay, if only to escape what's plaguing them. Mm. Um, Jim, did, did you, were you aware of the fact that those that consider themselves adults needed this advice? Yeah, um, and I've been issuing that advice to uh, a surprising number of adults in my life. Um, no, again, I think that uh, w- you know, perhaps emotional there, – there's an old saying that you know, in addition to intelligence quotient, there's emotional quotient. Um, the idea of, of being able to control your emotions is a, a valuable skill in life and not necessarily flying off the handle at every, uh, every little bit of uh, you know, trouble you encounter. Um, do you think that people? Are missing- I, I think. No. Go ahead, Mickey. Do you think that people are missing social cues, um, and maybe that's because we spend so much time on social media? Because it goes into some other things, but I think there's something definitely right about what you're saying. Um, one of the other things that suggests is that you learn how to bake a few good dishes. Now, this is good advice. That's solid. Um, some other good advice is you know donate to a charity, do something nice. And um, and then they get into something that we've discussed. Don't get drunk at your office holiday party. Mm-hmm. The uh, the one that jumps out on me on the list, and that I kind of think is is pretty intriguing, is the you know, you should be sending thank you notes. 
Um, you know, it says more points for you for make, using pretty stationery. Mickey, last year, usually the, sending out the Christmas cards is my responsibility. Mrs. Campaign Spot handles all kinds of stuff around the house, but I take care of it. Last year got busy, totally forgot to get it done. You know, by the time it was going to turn into a New Year's card or maybe even a Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Hey, is it Easter time card? Um, and so this year, I'm like, I, on top of it, I, I got it out there, printed them out, got the envelopes, had to go out and get stamps because, hey, who mails anything anymore, right? Right. Um, and, 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 and you computed a, a year-end letter. Well, you that's true, yes. That I, so I will credit this one to Cam, uh, my friend Cam Edwards, because otherwise I had thought that this was, you know, your, your Christmas letter was a form of passive-aggressive bragging, uh, humble bragging. <laughs> With the new promotion, I'm just so busy. We only had time for two weeks in Tahiti this year instead of our traditional three, you know. Well, um, I've got to tell you that when I opened it and I saw the letter, I thought, oh, Jim has become one of them. The end of the year <laughs> letter writers. Like, I, there are certain people that I know every single year I'm going to get an end of the year letter writing from in their Christmas card, which is great. I read them. I always find out what's going on with people and my friends and family that I don't talk to that often. However, I don't do it, so it automatically, like, I hit every year because I'm like, I didn't do this. Jim, you do know that the end of the year letter writing, braggadocio, is just something that translated de facto straightforward into modern Facebook posts, right? It's people putting out a right. life, putting out a life that is so wonderful. Right Everyone has letter, to hear about it. Which, by the way, reveals that I need, I need Dave's home address. Um, is the observation that like you know Facebook just doesn't do it justice. Sometimes it's time worth you know summing it up. So Cam had done one that didn't seem like you know I'm going to tell you how great my year was and make you feel like you stink, um, but in a passive aggressive way. Like okay, I'm going to talk about you know. I was like, did you do it wrong? Uh, yeah. Well, also it saves it saves me the time of telling everybody in the entire world, hey, you know the hurricane struck where near mom and dad were, but they came through it okay, and you know. That we're all very thankful for that. You know, little things like that that, you know, instead of having that conversation with, you know, 100 people over the course of the year. Uh, there you go. Now I've got the Christmas letter and it's out there. But I'm going to observe. So I'm off, finally on the ball this year and I send out Christmas cards. And um, I've gotten like like maybe four so far. And I'm kind of did, did I miss a memo? Do we not do Christmas cards anymore? Don't tell Mr. Bias, but I haven't sent them in a long time. And he's oh, about these things, and I think he assumes I send them out. And there just came a point when I just didn't. And I don't remember when that was. I remember purchasing the cards and right. then now, not just, sending them. <laughs> they're sitting in some drawer somewhere, right? Yes, that happened to be, you know, yeah. what it last year. Um, I'm going to observe. So I have a couple of friends, a couple of one or two coworkers, and you know who sent me one is Mitt Romney. And as much as I'd like to say, oh, Mickey, that's Mickey Dave, that's because Mitt and I go back so long. I'm fairly certain my name and address is on some list somewhere. My close <laughs> oh, personal you know. friend, Mitt Romney. I remember These I got one George W. Bush. I was thrilled. There you go. I go to credit you. Know, people say politicians don't do anything. They remember to send Christmas cards. That's right. More They're than great. Say for the I love politicians. The American popular. <laughs> yeah. No, the great thing about the Romney family like Christmas cards, you can count how many grandchilds, how many grandchildren they added in the last year. <laughs> the cards up to about 18 inches wide, right? Their cards started out as like vertical pictures, and then they split, <laughs> and now they're horizontal. So they can fill the whole family. Now they're now little booklets. Pull out section like a like a centerfold. Um, it's kind of, it's <laughs> like a pop out card. Here's the Romney it's family. So, yeah, I believe it's five times the total population of the state of Utah now. So. <laughs> 
It's a Craig Ferguson awkward pause. Hey, you know what? I think we're coming up towards the end of a segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably worth noting that as <laughs> yep. much as we talked about bad Christmas carols last time, there are some vastly underrated Christmas songs. And we'll be talking about your favorites in this category right after this. Here's Mucus! Ah! Abby, you need to come downstairs or someone that wants to see you. Creating family moments that last a lifetime. It's musical magic with those California raisins, caroling camels, waltzing walruses, and Herman Rex on the all-new Claymation Christmas Celebration. Join Julie Andrews for Christmas in the Austrian Alps with special guests Placido Domingo and John Denver. The hills are alive with Julie Andrews and the sound of Christmas. Next. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And this program just isn't complete without our Trivial Tuesday contest. And after getting an enormous response to our uh, request for nominations for the worst holiday song, or the one that is you know terribly overplayed and that you never want to hear again, um, we debated whether we should go with the best Christmas song, or I, and I kind of suggested instead the, the most underrated Christmas song. We all know the classics, but what's the one that you love that you almost never hear? And I thought we had a lot of good nominations in this category. Uh, Mickey, any, any of them jump out to you at first? Uh, yes. One of the first ones, obviously, I, I wanted to mention my favorite Christmas song, which is This Christmas, uh, and it's by Donny Holiday, And it's just Holloway, sorry. And it's one that I absolutely love, and I, I don't feel like I hear it that often. Um, but one that popped up on the list that I also like, and I'm like some of our listeners, I'm sure, want to bash me over the head for this one, but is Mary Did You Know? And I know that mm. a lot of people like the lyrics, but I really like like the song. The CeeLo so, Green version? Um, no, just like the one that actually pops to mind is is Winona Judd. Okay. Yeah, it's a good song. My mom sings that song at Christmas, and she does a very yeah, good Yeah, I like it. Interesting, because the one that actually had inspired me to recommend this. Um, we, we had just been discussing it, and I had said that uh, – you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, was the uh, by far the best karaoke Christmas song because yeah, you don't actually good. have to sing it. It's like half spoken, and if your voice is deep enough, you can just pull it off. It's like a Johnny Cash uh, song. There you go. If Johnny Cash had sung You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, I think the world would have exploded. It just would have been like pure, concentrated, like the plutonium of awesome would have been that. Um, the other one I would throw out here, and I saw Travis uh, Ficklin uh, of Twitter recommended this one. Christmas wrapping by the waitresses, because there are lots of like, oh, what a wonderful time of year it is. Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses is the song that gets to the stress of the holiday season where you feel like you've got a bazillion things to do and nothing is going right and no one is cooperating. And what is wrong with you people? Um, and if that's not the Christmas spirit, I don't know what is. That's right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was really kind of surprised at how many times Little Drummer Boy showed up and specifically people like the David Bowie Bing Crosby edition. And they felt like that was not played enough. Whereas I feel like they play that every five minutes on our Christmas channel. Really? Because I, I, everyone sees it. it. It rockets around YouTube each year. Um, it always stands out as this like bizarre pairing of, of worlds colliding. But I think it's it, obviously they're both very obviously you know phenomenally skilled singers, and the two songs go together very well. Um, 
I also going to put out on on this category uh, the Holly and the Ivy, which was recommended by Prolix Redux, um, and uh, oh, was it was Becky Cavolian who was recommending? Um, uh, wait, it, it was Andy Griffith that just sung this one. Yes, yes. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, she was the one who grabbed it. Um, but the Andy version of it, apparently, and uh, we have it there. Sanchez first, uh, who first rec- proposed that one. Yes, I too oh, would put yeah. that on there. People don't know Andy Griffith played a guitar and sang perfectly well as part of his stand-up routines before he became a movie and TV star. And uh, apparently, it's it's a fascinating version. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that up there. I'm also going to throw the link up to the and Jim actually watched it. The so, Bubba Love something and Otter Band Christmas. From the Muppet? Oh, what is yes. it called? Yes. Uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, apparently this aired in the mid-80s on HBO. Uh, it was done by Jim Henson's son. And you can kind of think of this as the... I could instantly see why my friend uh, uh, enjoyed it. And he's, as soon as I mentioned it, he's like, oh, yes, I have that. He put it up on the screen. Um, it, I believe it's on YouTube if you want to go out and find it. it think of it as kind of the um, uh, backwater Appalachia. The backwater Appalachia cousins of the Muppets, and kind of the you know, in a way, it's got some of those hallmark movie elements, you know, the big contest and uh, uh, a plot that definitely echoes some of the O. Henry stories and things like that. But it's a there's a sweetness and authenticity to it that um, that nothing in it is ironic. Uh, it's very much about these poor little puppet otters who, uh, uh, you know, are having to try, try to have a good Christmas with not having too many nickels to rub together. So. Um, it definitely was enjoyable, and I salute the people who had uh, recommended that last uh, last episode. Yes, that, that came up whenever we were talking about the Christmas, favorite Christmas specials. And uh, thanks to everyone who mentioned I know Brad Essex was one um, who first brought it to our attention. I am going to put that up on our Facebook page so you can find it, along with some of the performances that were shared on Tuesday night uh, for Trivial Tuesday. So expect to find some great Christmas music up there, even if it is vastly underrated. You are not our listeners, and we want to thank you for being here again this week. Jim, I know it's crazy, but we're actually at the end of another hour. It just flies by, um, and we always run out of time before we run out of topics and words, so there's that. Um, but we will be back here next week. Um, we're going to be wrapping up the end of the year and last of Christmas. And uh, thank you so much for being with us for yet another wonderful year. You guys are the best. Um, thanks for listening at SoundCloud.com. Thanks for listening at iTunes. Thanks for listening at Spreaker. Um, you can find us, obviously, on your phones, Apple or Android. Just go into your Play Store and find us. And um, we'll be back here next week. As always, we are the Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us at Facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey. Or you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Mickey. And you can listen to all previous episodes at SoundCloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And we'll be back next week. Hanukkah is the festival of life.
Instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights. <laughs> but when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. David Leroy Lights the menorah So do James Conn Kirk Douglas and the weasel Molly Shora Gasaways together At the Carnegie Deli Bowser from Shanana And Arthur Fondarelli Sam. Not a Jew, <laughs> but guess who is Hall of Famer Rod Guru? He can burn it. We got Ann Landers and her sister, Dear Abby. Harrison Ford is a quarter Jewish. Not too shabby. Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is well, he's not. But guess who is? Riding on that new river train, 
Same old train 